Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 26 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and uh, with me today, we've gotten some of the original members back together. We got Matt Aguilar, who just basically sleeps here now, so you know him. (laughs) But uh, we brought back our original Trinity member, Mr. Brandon Davis, with special guest today. That's right. We have Nova here. Nova's here today. Nova, say hi. And... Mr. Turnup Charlie Ridgely is with us again. I mean, I feel like we're overusing you. We're supposed to pull you out only as like a heel that comes on every now and again, but uh, here we go. That's all right. Sometimes you get a a long heel run, you know, you just gotta, you gotta roll with it. No, I mean, you and BD together is is the best mix. So we're going to fight about some things today. We're going to talk about some things today. Um, So we thought we'd just uh, have kind of the original crew back with us. We're going to talk about a new Star Wars series coming to Disney plus plus plus, plus some other big renewals that we just got wind of. Uh, we're talking about somebody who wants to maybe throw his hat in the ring for the MCU Wolverine. Matt wants to talk to you about video games so he can grow his expertise. Plus, Brad Impler brought up something that we are going to kind of get into and talk about on the Marvel front. And we have something to talk about in terms of wrestling, a big question there. So we're not just here to talk about news this time. Because we've been locked in quarantine for so long, we're starting to solve problems now. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, this is Comic Book Nation Saves the Universe. So we're going to try to solve a couple problems. Yeah, so here we go. Starting right at the top. So, like I said, we're getting a new Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. No, it's not the Boba Fett thing or, like, some firmer confirmation of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is something new. It's going to be a female-centric Star Wars series. And uh, it's coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, I think that's about all we know. As I said last time, I only do uh, mild amounts of homework for this show. So I believe that's all we know. And it's coming, oh, that's right. It's coming from uh, Leslie Hedlund, who is the creator of Netflix's Russian Doll, uh, with, my, with my girl Latasha Leone within it, who, um, yeah, so. And naturally, now that we've heard this, everybody's kind of freaking out and speculating about whether this is going to be something to do with, like, a younger Leia or Ray or Jin Urso. Like there's all these theories going around. There's always the Sokotanos like always on the board. If she's coming to the Mandalorian and Rosario Dawson's playing her. So I wanted to hear what you guys thought um, because I got our biggest star Wars fans here. Uh, Brandon Davis, let's start with you (laughs) as the star Wars fan of comicbook.com. How do you feel about all this? And uh, which characters Uh out of the wide Star Wars library that I know you're knowledgeable about, would you like to see in the series? I know nothing about the deep Star Wars canon. 
I mean, that's, I don't, so I don't fun. even know how to, I'm not even going to act like I can pull some deep cut that I want to see, but I mean, Star Wars content on Disney plus I loved the Mandalorian. So, I mean, I feel like in watching the Mandalorian, like it made me do my research, like to go back and find out stuff about the dark saber from, uh, from clone wars and stuff like that. So whatever they do, I'm sure I'm going to make myself a relative expert on it so that I can talk about it. But before they do it, I don't, I'm not the guy. Thanks, Brandon. You really held it down on that segment. Thanks, man. No, uh, all right. Charlie, I know you always have a good opinion. Uh, I do. I always a, have great or opinions. Or a opinion. A an opinion. Oh, and no, you're now, right. They're always good. They're always after good. That, after that, we need an opinion. So please, <laughs> give me an opinion. I'll be really disappointed if it's if it's anything with Dr. Afra. Like, Dr. Afra is the oh. character that people want to see. It's a character that hasn't been in, you know, any kind of TV or movie format. She's only been in the comic books, but she's a really beloved character um, now i feel and, like brandon thanks a lot this is going this is going swimmingly <laughs> dr afric like- is is a character she's a uh, uh matt she's archaeologist um mm-hmm. and she has some of the coolest side characters she, uh two droids one looks a lot like c-3po but he has like red eyes and he's all black metal uh and he's just he's an assassin and she's got this uh this big wookie with her um and she just has a really like take no crap attitude really, really smart, really into the history of the planet she visits. And she worked with Darth Vader for a while, like acquiring things for him. And that's kind of how she came into the world is during the first, I believe it was the Jason Aaron Darth Vader comic. She was introduced as a side character and then really quickly got her own book because she was really, really fascinating. And they've been talking about that for a long time. There's been all these rumors about a Dr. Aphra series that was rumored to be the mystery Star Wars series. And now when it's like, oh, we're going to have this, this female led show, it's like, okay, well, Dr. Aphra is the easy and it's the no brainer choice. It's the one people want to see. I, you know, if it's something completely original, you know, Leslie Headland is really, really smart. I loved Russian doll on Netflix. So if she does something completely original in something that we've never heard before, or the character we've never talked about, that's awesome. I would love that. But if it's going to be a character that we're going to, that we know it, it better be Dr. Afra. You know, I don't want a young, we don't need a young Leia. We don't need a young, raise already young. Like none of that really makes any sense, but a Dr. Afra show would really, I think bring people in. It would be a, a project that, a lot of people would, would line up to see. I don't think a lot of people would be behind it initially, but I could see a Jin Erso being like, because he had to fill in gaps of that character, but that character's, yeah. I mean, we know what and happens to that character. Because it's a character you could name because you know the movies. Yeah, so, I mean, but that character, we know what happens to her in the end, yeah. so it's kind of pointless to go back. Yeah. Well, um, but, I mean, the Cassian thing has potential, even though we know what happens to him. It, it would seem weird for him to do two characters from that one movie, though, and do their own spinoffs, you know, with both of them knowing where they end up in the end. I mean, do you think people well, would technically be able- every character ever ends up dead eventually? So we know where they all go. Yeah, Except but people- Palpatine. <laughs> wow, <laughs> well, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we thought um, he was dead. Am I the only one who would want to see? Do you, who thinks like you could have like an easy spinoff of Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano from The Mandalorian into her own series? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a, t- a thing that could totally happen, and I would like to see it. I'm sure. I mean, I love Rosario Dawson and I love Ahsoka Tano, so that's a great fit. But I just, you know, the way they I mean, talked about this being a totally unexplored story, I just plus, I don't see that being what this is. Yeah, and plus what you said sounds a lot more affordable for TV with your character I now have to go look up. So, there you go. That's it on the Star Wars front. So we'll keep an eye on what this new Disney Plus-centric uh, series is and uh, tell you about that. Uh, but we got two big renewals, as I said. So The Mandalorian Season 2 we're waiting for to uh, get here, but uh, Disney Plus isn't messing around. They're just already tripling down and saying, look, before you even get here for season two, 
Mandalorian season three is happening. So Woo-hoo. that's already in the cards. So, uh, Brandon, are you mad? You're going to have to keep dropping and resubscribing to Disney Plus like for the next couple of years? Dude, they got he, me. He's season. locked in for three years. Oh, that's right. I keep three. forgetting. They got you. I don't even, like, like, I'm at the point now, I'm just watching the animal documentaries. Like I'm out oh, of so stuff, am I, man. They're pretty good, though. Uh, they're but pretty they're pretty good. good. They're great. They're great to fall asleep to if you know you have your extracurriculars before you go to bed, and then you want to knock out with some earthy stuff. It's great. Uh, but also, I'll be honest. I was, I've been watching the Silver Surfer cartoon, uh, but it's really going to be nice to have like something new. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Long story short, I'm, I want Mandalorian season two and three yesterday. All right. Here's something we also didn't know we were getting. Um, yeah, we're getting to another season of Westworld. Uh, I mean, I guess. Woo! I care. <laughs> I mean, I guess. After your ringing endorsement last week, uh, I, I would say. You're well, Janelle was more. I mean, Janelle was more hyped about it than I was. But like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's not the same show this season. I mean, the real world stuff is just your kind of standard. It's like Terminator with more talking, I guess um so i'm okay about it but like yeah i don't know it is what it is we're getting more westworld yay uh hbo I mean, no matter how good one. or bad westworld is it's it's always gonna end up kind of like prison break um and kind of like overstaying its welcome where, uh, where, the, where the first season was perfect don't hurt brandon Davis. where it had a it had a perfect first season and it's going to be really hard for anything Wait. the show does after that to live up to it is Brandon a giant prison break person? I didn't no. know. This. <laughs> I like prison break. I didn't know this. No, giant, he's a giant lost dude. I was whispering lost. I think the I first season of prison break is one of like one. The, the single best TV seasons I've ever seen. No, that is true. That after is very after true. season one, it, it really kind of fell apart. But that first season is so good. I was there. It was great all the way through with just like a oh, no. just Stop <laughs> it. Great ending. Brandon Lost is perfect. Come on, I, man. I, I, I oh, have to die it. on that hill. I will you know miss. that first half, that six episode arc of season three during the writer's strike when they're all locked in a cage. Season they literally three had is no terrible. ideas. Everything was bad. That you just year. said it was great. <laughs> I know. It's just like one of those Dave Chappelle Rick Games moments. The writer's strike ruined heroes that year too everything went down Grey's anatomy okay, took to be fair, everything heroes was, terrible was already down <laughs> heroes was already down yeah i mean yeah one, uh, but okay that's, uh, that's, season uh, two got a little rough but that was another one that had a perfect first haters heroes but regardless i was trying to compliment lost on the fact that it has a perfect first season <laughs> yeah it, no and the first lost, season of lost yes. is so well executed oh, yeah, perfect last season yeah no first season of lost is perfect like I will give you that. That is that is a perfect season. And that's yeah. that's how I see Westworld. Is that even even when it's good, it's that first season of Westworld was so different from everything else on TV. It was so surprising. There's so many great twists. Like I, it's just I don't think it's ever going to live up to the standard it set for itself in the in that first season. Yeah, that's the thing with HBO series though. Like that's why we don't need a second season of Watchmen. No, yeah. I mean no, but that, that would have been more of like an anthology. Like I would have, I would have possibly liked to see a different story in the Watchmen universe. What happened with True Detective? Yeah, well, stop it, stop. It's coming back. Stop it. Season okay, I'll, season two <laughs> isn't as bad as everyone says it is. It wasn't stop good, it. but it wasn't as bad just, as it you is. just stop now. Oh, God, this I is why you bring Charlie on the show. I just said, I just said it's just, not as good. The, uh, there's another one. True Detective season one is 
it just there's it's immaculate. Season two is not as bad as the rap it gets, but it's still not great. Wow, we've gone way way off the beaten path. <laughs> but I, I was just gonna say that you, the thing with HBO series in general, especially ones that you know it's all good in the series, you know it's getting old. True Blood, Game of Thrones, now Westworld is like when they do nudity scenes, and it feels like I'm looking at like somebody I've been in a relationship with for too long, and I'm just like, please take this off the screen, like bring some new. Get out of here. Like, we need... It's just HBO experience. I'm not man. touching that. I don't know where to go with, with this. What the... Oh, if you need all. to talk, I mean... Oh I, I just talked. I just told you how Dude. I feel. I just told you how I feel. That's this Westworld Season 2, Season 3 review. Bring me some new... Yeah. Oh, my God. Soon, I can't... I mean, when an HBO series, I can't even watch a sex scene anymore. <sighs> it's time to go. It's time to retire. It. Wow. It's, it's just been too much. Like, it's been too... It's just been too much for too long. When did you get so, out of the house? You think I'm going to apocalypse ain't changing me. Apocalypse ain't changing me. I'm so, so moving on. All of you are scared to touch that one. We'll move on. The point is, it's West not a scared. I don't even know what's happening. <sighs> oh God. I'm glad I got this collection of people today. You guys are snappy with all the banter. All right. So we'll tell you something you maybe can't handle. Can you handle Tom Payne wanting to play Wolverine? Is <laughs> everybody, can everybody uh, do, do that? Help me out there. Say I mean, something good. I like Tom Payne a lot. I think he's a very talented actor, and I consider him a friend of mine. That being said, <laughs> boy, you qualified that. So I can't many. wait for you to tell me about Tom Payne texting you. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a dead. that was a Stephen A. Smith like. Kobe, <laughs> we don't care. Look at me. Look at me. We don't care. Uh, You're like a brother to me. I mean, listen, no, okay. I think Tom Payne is actually very talented. Let's talk about who Tom Payne is for people who don't know. Tom Payne played Jesus on The Walking Dead. That's what he's best known for. Right now, he has a show called Prodigal Son. It's it actually is, pretty pretty good. It's a very good show. Don't have to tell me about Fox. He plays Malcolm, the son of a serial killer named The Surgeon. The Surgeon is a maniacal serial killer, and there's the constant questions of whether or not this serial killer's habits and being horrible kind of trickle down into his son at all. He has these night terrors. He does crazy stuff on this show. I think Tom is a very good actor. Uh, he's the right size to play Wolverine. He's a short, I mean, he's shorter than you think he is. Sorry, Tom, you said that in our interview recently. That's all we're talking about. This. He's got the hair. Um, he's got the hair. I mean, he's a, he's a beautiful dude. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like you can respect it. Everybody knows the dude's handsome. He, w I've never seen. He's, he's too handsome for Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, he's a little too good looking to play Wolverine. You like, remember when you guys said I was too awkward? Like, dude, all right, listen. Minutes ago, hey, I'm I'm with Brandon. Tom Payne is a beautiful human. He's a great looking it's guy. It's just not even fair. He's got a jawline. He's got like the what's the answer? What he's trying to say is Tom's great, but he's not a good fit for Wolverine. That's what Brandon's trying to say. I'll say it so Brandon doesn't have to. Be a good fit for Wolverine wow. because I know, like they're gonna go you such too. a drastically different route. Inevitably, they want to differentiate this from Hugh Jackman. I, the thing is, when you think of Wolverine, you think of like a brooding, like loner leader who inevitably likes people to an extent. So it's like, could could Tom have that range to drop some of the charm, even though I'm sure they're going to want a little bit of it because it is the MCU, to make himself seem hardened and shut off? Because we haven't seen that from I haven't seen that in any of Tom's roles that I've watched him in. But I, I'm not saying he can't. Uh, I think he'd be an okay fit. Are there other people who might do better? It, I mean, it depends what type of Wolverine they're looking for. 
So I mean, I'm definitely you, you not need somebody, yes, but I'm also not saying no. You need somebody like a, and I don't, I don't think this person's a, a great fit because of he's he's really tall uh, and he's already in the franchise. But you need someone like a David Harbor who oh. is David Harper, you know, no. can be a good looking dude. Yeah. But and he can play that more rugged. He can be snappy and quippy. I'm no. just saying you need someone with some of those same traits who can also appear very rugged. Tom, I think I Tom, fits, Payne, Tom Payne's a great image for ultimate Wolverine, that version. Yeah, dude, yeah. Tom Payne with a beard and he could do the hair. I mean, I think he can get the look of Wolverine. I think he'd have to beef up a little bit, which would be easy because he's like five, six. So he could probably gain like mass pretty quickly. I don't. Okay, but in this day and age, I never worry about bulking up anymore. Like when someone yeah, they goes got the like, hormones for that, like, like bulk, right between the. But this is the same really. stuff we've seen over and over and over again, and then they show up and they're ripped and they've put on muscle mass. Like it's not you can do that now on a regular basis in Hollywood pretty well, easily. Sure, but I mean the them. argument against Tom is going to be that he's so skinny because right now he's he's not a he's not known for his physique. I mean, but Hugh so. Jackman wasn't either. He was in Oklahoma. Right. Well, right. Like, I mean, I agree with Matt. I'm, I 100% agree with Matt, but I know our comment section is going to say, ew, no, he's so skinny or something. Like, well, those are the same people that say argument. Gal wasn't going to be good for Wonder Woman and they were proven wrong. So, I mean, it's the same arguments. It was, she's too skinny. She's she's never done played a role like this before. Like, I, But I get it. I, I think he could... There's honestly no one else in Hollywood right now that screams Wolverine to me. So... Paints I mean, Tom Hardy makes, I, I think, the most sense of anyone. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, it's not even who I'd pick, but just on the surface, he makes the most sense. I can't David argue Harbour with that. I think that's actually – I, I don't know if he makes the most sense, but I think Tom Hardy actually would be a, a very interesting choice. Listen, I prefaced oh, God, Matt with saying Harbour that – I didn't Hardy say that, Tom Har- that, that David Harbour should play him. I just said the qualities mm. that David Harbour possesses are what you need to look for. Does he have claws? Because I can't see the qualities otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow <laughs> that's it's nothing about and about style. tom Payne. like whenever people make this argument against like he's too small all i do is i show them like a picture brandon davis tw- 2009 brandon davis 2019 <laughs> anything is possible anything. <laughs> totally true <laughs> it's like i'm like uh, bam the gains kid you're I like miss, i miss the hair kid. I'm completely that. different kid looking good oh don't worry don't you worry it's quarantine <laughs> i'm at like little dicky stage right now i'm trying to get all the way back to 2016 flow oh, oh my god good gotta Lord. plug the little dicky show right. by the way. if you're bored that show on hulu dave is yeah, we are we already so did good. a plug for that you guys are, get out of here stop trying to come in this show like we don't do plugs for dave we do plugs for dave <laughs> We did a whole plug. I got it. Yeah, a weird hill to die on. <laughs> Dude, that was that was a stage of quarantine madness like a week. Ago. Like, yeah, I watched that whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty good. In fact, I got an episode waiting upstairs. Um, uh, like yeah. So moving on from uh, admiring Tom Payne and Westworld and HBO as to, I guess Matt gets get weird with Assassin's Creed. Matt just uh, uh, so for now. These are all again preface. I feel like I do this every time we talk about this on the show. Wait, I just want to talk and just say, I feel like the show became smut once you introduced the symbiote orgy to this whole thing. Like, <laughs> it was such a clean show before that. That needs proper context. I saw you spreading that on Twitter without any kind of context. I, I spread like, no. what needed to be spread, but go uh, ahead. Geez. Assassin's Creed. Uh, Assassin's Creed. So what we had heard previously was that the next uh, iteration in the franchise would be a Viking-centered uh, affair. Uh, the last one, Odyssey, was one of the best games, I will say, of this like, I feel like this generation, just period, it's a fantastic game uh, and one of the best in the franchise. And uh, they're evidently going to be making 
uh, bigger strides in this one. Again, these are rumored leaks, but they come from places that have been right before. Uh, so we'll see. The biggest thing in here is that they're, that Ubisoft is going to reveal big details of the new game, which has been called Kingdom. Ragnarok is the other name, but uh, it has no official name. In fact, Ubisoft's not even officially said they're working on another Assassin's Creed. Wait, if it's but, Ragnarok, does that mean Vikings? It's literally what I he just, just said. So dope. <laughs> David Harbour, listen. I was going well. in and out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He just said, yeah, it would be fine. Yeah, it was my fine. internet. <laughs> Um, so it would be Vikings. Uh, they, the report says that they'll roll out details at the end of April and beginning of May. And that's really quick turnaround for one, a game that has not been officially announced that they're even in development at any point. Also the target release date is later this year. So it seems like one of those is a reach because it seems odd that without an E3, without any of the big shows, because all of them have been postponed or canceled because of the coronavirus, that they would roll that out uh, that quickly without any of the typical marketing and especially like retailers and stuff like that, especially GameStop with Assassin's Creed games always back it in a really big way. Um, but if they do reveal the info, uh, there are going to be evidently more RPG elements, Odyssey uh, introduced a few more. Uh, it's still not like an RPG. I saw it kind of compared to like, oh, it's turning into an RPG. It's not. Um, but it still has more of those. The story in Odyssey was fantastic. It was so well voice acted. They're going to continue that. Evidently, you are going to be able to pick a male and or female character and just roll through the story with that character and they'll uh, blend the stories together. Um, in Odyssey, they were it was a brother and sister. So evidently, that's going to happen. Um, and then they're going to, there's evidently like supernatural elements they're going to introduce into this uh the viking you know setting norse mythology stuff kind of lends itself to that we also saw an odyssey that like atlantis shows up uh and there was a whole dlc thing kind of dedicated to that uh with the greek mixed in with the greek mythology stuff so it's already kind of ventured into that it seems like they're going to embrace that more um i'm excited for this because one i'm a sucker for anything viking uh and norse kind of in nature uh but the last assassin's creed was fantastic i am concerned about the turnaround time with announcement coming in a month or two and with all the uncertainty in this world, it seems like this should probably be postponed till 2021 because it seems odd that they would just aim for a release in like October. I mean, they, they, they could have been in development for years. And I mean, true. Those secrets are easy, especially when, I mean, E3 was supposed to happen and like that could have been the big announcement. Yeah, but like in in the gaming world right now, leaks are so common. It is incredibly rare for something not to hit. I mean, even Ragnarok, like the the working title and some other things, have been part of other leaks. But like for them to not officially, Ubisoft is pretty good about hey, we're skipping a year, but we're working on the next one. They're, they're kind of upfront about stuff in their pipeline, so it seems odd that they would just go quiet on it for this long and still be aiming for a release this year, especially since evidently in the holiday of this year, we're still supposed to be getting next-gen systems. So is it on the old gen or is it on PS5 and Series X? Like, no, if, they're, if, they're in, if they're aiming for a holiday release, they, they probably want to launch with with Series X and, oh, Mom, and you're right? my or heart. do an up-res, like just do an up-res version that works on both yeah. hardware. I mean, that could be, it's a, it's a multi-platform game. So, I mean, it could totally be, but I mean, I'm stoked for it. I, I just want concrete information. Uh, it seems to, I don't know when we're going to get it though, because like Gamescom and uh, E3 and the typical outlets that Ubisoft uses, 
I mean, Ubisoft is typically known for like bringing Aisha Tyler to introduce the next Assassin's Creed game on stage on Microsoft stage or Sony stage. So I have no idea where they would, other than just going like on Twitter, hey, we're doing it. You know, I, I don't know where they're going to announce it. So, okay. So we could be looking at Assassin's Creed 2021. That's what, that's what I think. I think they'll come out at some point as we've seen a lot of studios come out this year and go, hey, because of this, we're pushing it to 2021. Here's a teaser trailer or something. It'll, it'll just be like the new Last of Us. Just every, every time it's like within a month, it's like, Oof. nah. So close. Can. So close. So close. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I think it would depend on how much of the marketing they already put together with a 2020 all over it. And right. Yeah. All that stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Moving right along from Assassin's Creed, when we come back, we're going to deep dive into a topic uh, Mr. Brandon Davis kind of raised that uh, bears some good discussion. So we're going to get into that and something on the wrestling front we also got to talk about. So be sure to stay tuned. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. So Brandon Davis, you, you man of ideas, quarantine watch party, <laughs> such and such, uh, recently kind of posed a question that he wrote up on the site which you can check in our uh, wonderful comicbook.com Marvel section, which is basically asking now that we've seen kind of, we've seen the conventions of this year, the major ones, WonderCon, Comic-Con get wiped out or just postponed because of obviously the coronavirus pandemic that we're all living through. So Brandon Davis thought it was good time and space to maybe raise a question of opportunity about the Marvel franchise. And it's basically like this. Given how big Marvel has gotten and the Marvel Cinematic... I mean, from the comics to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to everything in between, is it time for Marvel to have its own convention? Now, just for background, real quick, if you don't know, typically, the Marvel Cinematic Universe got its kicks by starting off as a Comic-Con closer. Uh, Comic-Con Saturday Night, Hall H, was a Marvel tradition for many years, especially in phase one, when the, when the whole franchise was just getting off the ground, I was there. It was crazy. Um, but in the years since they've kind of scaled back a lot from Comic-Con, uh, sometimes it's been moved because of the Disney acquisition has been moved that major Marvel events happen at D 23. And when phase three came around, Marvel just was like, you know, F it, we want the spotlight and held their own event, which was a worldwide headline making event. So, that's all everything that's kind of on the table. Um, the kind of questions I would just that kind of raise with this is if Marvel has its own convention, that's great for Marvel and announcements and knowing where to get them. But does it take away too much from some of these other conventions where like, let's be honest, Marvel is the 
kind of big headlining presence? Um, or is there some kind of in-between? Or do you just want to keep things they are and don't take away my cone type thing? So, uh, Brandon Davis, what do you think? I mean, obviously, you kind of pitched this idea into the room, but uh, what's your what's your take on it? I mean, I'm all for it. I, I, I think, you know, the presence at San Diego Comic-Con is tremendously exciting, but we've already seen other studios pull out of San Diego Comic-Con. Warner Brothers didn't go last year. Universal didn't go last year. Sony didn't go last year. Uh, Marvel has taken a year off, and Comic-Con has still been big, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, you still go to Comic-Con, you still go to D23 because – the, the proof is in Star Wars, which I think, you know, and you can come at me as you want for saying this, but Marvel has undoubtedly taken the throne from Star Wars at the movies. Oh, spicy. It is, it is bigger at the movies. It is a bigger worldwide event right now when a Marvel movie comes out than when a Star Wars movie comes out. And the, like the numbers just show, I mean, I'm so, I said it. It's, it's, and uh, I mean, the, the numbers back it up. Yeah. The, I mean, it's the biggest cinematic franchise in the world. Love it or hate it. it the numbers prove. They sell more tickets. Yes, they make more movies. Absolutely. I know that that's a factor. But these movies are hits every time they come out to some extent. Some are bigger than others. But you have the built-in fan base. And Star Wars already does this. Star Wars Celebration already exists. Star Wars Celebration, whether it's uh, – they don't do it every year. But how, whenever they do it, the most recent one had 65,000 people there at one event for a weekend do that with marvel and marvel has a similar if not bigger catalog to pull from because i'm not talking about just movies i I mean movies are obviously going to be the big draw because that's where the mainstream audience comes in but you do this with comics you do this with animation you do this on, on video games every single front that marvel wants to you have panels for illustrators and writers you have panels for directors and actors you have panels for animators everything in between you have autograph opportunities with the, the comic creators, you have photo opportunities with the actors, everything in between. And this is already happening. You already have Ace Comic-Con and Wizard World Comic-Con reveling in the names of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and offering opportunities for the comic creators to get a booth that a lot of times they probably have to pay for themselves to be at these things, to be at some of these events. So why not just put them all under one roof and make the, a gigantic event when you can? because other cons are already kind of doing it. Star Wars already does it. So just make it a Marvel con. You can control the news. You can control the press opportunities. You can control the the panels and the merchandise. Forget it. The exclusive merchandise that that they could sell, the tickets to Disney World and Disneyland that they could sell once the the Marvel sections of those parks are rolling. Forget it. It's, It's, I mean, I don't see any loss from Disney's perspective and they love winning. So I can't imagine... What, what would stop them from wanting to do this? And for fans, it's a cool event. It's just a cool opportunity to get uh, interact with your favorite celebrities, creators, writers, illustrators, everything like that, and network a little bit and all that kind of stuff. And then we just get news out of it. So obviously we win as well. So what's I mean, your really I, I, stake in this, in this convention right now? What's that? So what's your stake in the convention right now? Man, I'm trying to. I'm trying I'm to kind of walker stalker this thing. Um, I, I, I I think that you can have it both ways, PD. I think that I think you're right, and it's it's big enough to to sustain its own convention. Absolutely, like it's it is the biggest franchise that exists and has ever existed. I mean, at the same time, DC Comics could have their own convention as well. Right. What I'm saying Jason, is, if you're, from Jason Momoa to Jim, stop Lee, that. If you're if you're Disney, if you're, you're Disney, you don't you think these DC properties. Comics Con could could pack out a convention center for three days? I think there would be a lot of trolls putting together photos on the internet between Marvel Con and DC Con. Well, I mean, sure, you'd have your your trolls and your wars and attendance arguments and everything like that. 
But the fact is, both of them could be successful. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. The point I'm trying to make is if you're Disney and you own Marvel and Star Wars and all this other stuff, D23, you know, you want to keep those things going. And you also want to have a presence at things like Comic-Con because they are a revenue source. Um, and you don't have to pay, like Disney has to pay for the entire Marvel convention to put it on where they just show up to, yes. to Comic-Con. That is true. Uh, but I think the idea here, the way to go is to follow the celebration uh, model, which celebration is every other year, I think, right? So alternate, take that same weekend every year. It's Marvel one year, it's Star Wars the next year. It's Marvel then, then mm-hmm. it's Star Wars and, and okay. alternate. And then so there's off years, you still have Comic-Con things or when you have big announcements, you can still go to Comic-Con, you still have these presences everywhere, but you can also once every other year have this giant event that brings in a bunch of money and is solely devoted to Marvel. I think you can kind of, you can win kind of both sides of that argument going that route just think about how many hats kevin foggy would have to wear i i like charlie's idea a lot like i I think that's honestly the best way because i mean honestly you don't need one it's not a question of need because that's what d23 is like d23 covers all of those things celebration was you know it's a really fan in a lot of ways fan driven event even though it's put on officially it's really a fan driven event like there's so much fan community stuff that happens around that that the community is responsible for not just disney so with marvel it would you know need to be the same thing and and like charlie pointed out marvel and disney would have to foot the bill for all that stuff because they're not just paying table fees and they're not just paying you know uh for like photo op setups and stuff to get talent there they're having to foot the bill for like the electric and like everything else which we know can be incredibly expensive for a a comic-con runner so you know to put that much effort into it i like the every other year thing because it makes it a little more feasible it also makes it feasible from a talent perspective because you're not expending all your talent every single year you have a whole other year to get new movies in the mix and get a whole new crew of actors that you're able to kind of swap in and out uh as opposed to just making it like star wars has been uh, until like the new trilogy like star wars was essentially like the same it's the same people every time and you can see them at various other places with cons you know and, especially and, and i mean i mean think about you know what marvel's already done like marvel took off 2018 uh yeah. You know, Comic Con and 2017. Brandon, you and I were there, and it was awesome. It was when they showed the first. You know, they showed some stuff from Infinity War. They that was the big, uh, the big drop down uh, Kendrick Lamar trailer from Black Panther. Like that was a huge thing. It was so much fun being in that in that room. And then they took off 2018, and then 2019 was just mind blowing at Comic Con. I mean, the all the announcements they had in 2019. You know, for what the world looked like post Endgame, and so that I think the timeline really works. But you think about a business perspective, like you got to think about the trickle down effects of if Marvel were to have a convention every year and take away, you know, and then you have DC or, or Warner Brothers or Sony or whatever decide to do their own thing, you kind of can look at, it's not like we're talking about the movie industry now, when you talk about digital releases, streaming versus theaters, it's like you can see a path to eliminating this thing. And so you look at conventions and as these smaller ones kind of build up and, and are more specific, you could potentially lose things like uh you know San Diego Comic-Con, Ace, WonderCon, Emerald City. Well, and that's happened to E3. We've watched that exact right. thing happen. And, and you think about, you know, yeah, but E3 kind of sucked to begin with. If well, Marvel I mean, starts pulling out of things, what does that do to Funko? What does that do to Hasbro? What yeah. does that do to all these companies and exhibitors that have art at these things to then not have build up at the convention to But also, let me point this toys. out as well. I mean, a lot of people obviously can't afford to go to cons to see the panels, uh, whether they want to even spend money on an autograph or not. A lot of people can't afford to travel and get a hotel and 
buy a ticket and go to a con. Disney Plus needs content. Live stream these panels as, as whether you include footage or not. Live stream the panels. Like that way you're getting your news out there. You're driving people to the streaming service that you're trying so hard to build. And, and that goes the same for DC on HBO Max. Like it, the, the, the digital opportunities to let people watch from home as well. I mean, that absolutely hurts a little bit of the uh, exclusivity and excitement of getting well, I mean, but So then what's the point in going? Because like, that's my thing. Like I get that's, it. If, that's that's the discussion the with the movies. That's where this all is leading when you talk yeah. about movies that are releasing digitally and movies that are well, in theaters. Well, this is where I come in now because everybody's getting all along on this point, but uh, I'm bored, so I'm not. So, yeah, I don't want you guys changing my con. Like, you don't need to start changing my cons. We don't need a con for everybody. This isn't a participation trophy. These things grew and started because there was a Comic-Con. <laughs> keep my Comic-Con the same. You keep the smell. But being place. grumpy and old, let their let embrace change. In one place. Keep that smell in one place. Downtown. I love Comic-Con, but I'll take more big events. That's fine with me. Marvel needs to remember where it started and who got it, where it is today. Come back. There's a part of me that agrees with that as far as like, I don't, I don't want Comic-Con to go away. And if I, they I don't all either. start doing that, it will. Because yeah, it's not that's, the, that's the point I was trying to make. Like, yeah. if, if you guys understand, listen, too far, this Comic-Con. takes away from what we have. I hate yeah. that we're not able to go yeah, to Comic Con this year, but it's gonna like these studios are all gonna start doing their own. Look at the success of D twenty three. It's just a matter of time before Sony and Paramount and Universal and Warner Brothers all want to have their own Nobody's thing going where they Sony can make the money. And they can okay, but, the other thing we got to watch for too between yeah. Disney, who Disney owns has everything in yeah. the world, <laughs> to Sony. Like, I mean, because you know, going if, to if Sony Disney Con. stops going to Comic Con, you lose Marvel, you lose anything that was Fox. Come to our Ghost in the Shell pop up restaurant. All right, y'all but you also got to remember the other thing. Haters, go ahead and doubt right now. I bet I'm you. Oh, that oh they I'm will. with you. I just I'm talking Within about the ramifications of it. But I, I agree. Are going to have their own events that people. But can I have. agree with Charlie. As yeah, in, they're going to for one to year do. until they lose money and yes. shut down because nobody wants Paramount. And the, the, the thing, yeah. the thing we are going to have now, if that happens, the thing we are going to get is a much bigger presence at international cons. We see what happened at CCXP in Brazil. We're going to see more of that. We're going to have one or two of those around the world that are huge events. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going to see more of that in other places of the world, if we break them up here in the United States, they're going to now rely on these big markets, you know, something well, in China that Vin Diesel leads every year or something. A Comic-Con event ever. Here's, okay, so, like, putting, a like, a bow on just, like, how I feel about con- this, I don't agree that E3 always sucked. I loved watching. <laughs> That's I loved bow? watching. Oh, no, okay, so I loved watching E3, and I remember that feeling of having it, like, looking for at websites my favorite sites for announcements and like seeing all this stuff coming out of there oh sure the news that it was great my point is sucked but my point is that i remember when sony nintendo microsoft and all the small publishers had a presence there and over the years nintendo doing their own thing microsoft doing their own thing even though some of them are still at e3 they're still doing it on separate campuses so they're not even in the main nintendo directs have changed a lot of it's not the same and e3 now kind of sucks and i, I don't E3 want that to happen to comic-con and i did not have fun i'm saying okay well i, I had a cheeseburger one time and it wasn't good but i will say have been bad I remember, always i remember what that was Unrelated. like and now seeing what it's become i don't want that to happen to comic-con and if this starts happening with these big players it will these big players built comic-con they didn't comic-con didn't start as a movie show I know. So why do I want them to leave and take all their stuff to a, a con just about them? No, I want one of the appeals about going to a Comic-Con is getting a little bit of everything 
and seeing all these and Marvel and Disney in general has a giant presence there. So why I do I want them to kill Comic-Con? I don't want Comic-Con to die. Trust leave. me. If they pull out, Completely no, don't pull they, out. Disney still Comic-Con. Okay, but you're talking from a business Everybody perspective. Everybody a PG-13 show. Stop you were talking from a business perspective, though. Like, your argument is, from a business sense, it makes total sense that they would want all these people to come to their own con so they can control everything. Well, sure, but they going will still with that have business a benefit. Mentality, They'll still have a benefit of going to Comic-Con as well. Okay, no. but not in the same number and not in the same financial. They're no. going to have a pop-up stand yes. with a plastic Captain America. That is not. Marvel Studios they're going to come. They're going to roll up to LA to, to San Diego Comic Con with Agents of Shield reunion shows. It's they not going to be the same. <laughs> what are you guys? Do you guys? Like, Comic Con was just the headline of the year this year was Marvel's Hall H panel. It was great. They had announcements, and Marvel doesn't have their own Comic Con. And then they got on a bus from San Diego. And they wrote it up to Anaheim, and the same exact people did D23, and it was just as big. Like like three weeks apart. It was not just as big. I remember the traffic. It was I remember the traffic. It wasn't that big. It was not just as big. Yeah. They they held a and D23 had a huge Star Wars announcement. The biggest thing out of D23 was Star Wars. Comic Con yeah. was just as big. Sure, Jan. <laughs> like sure. I don't understand. Are you telling me that the headlines out of the Marvel Studios panel? were not as big as they always were, despite... No, they were huge. The, the Marvel Studios panel at Comic-Con? Yes. Was yes. enormous. Yes. That's, that's what that's we're saying. And we they were still all there together. It didn't hurt Comic-Con. No, they did D23 where they didn't really reveal as much. They added extra details from the Comic-Con stuff, well, and D23... You're literally fighting my argument. You're okay, arguing no, for me. My point no, 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 is no, that no, Comic-Con no, did not look, suffer at all because of Marvel look, having... We're not talking public relations. We were all just sitting watching a numbers chart. Like I can tell you from numbers that the D23 reveals for Marvel were not as big as they were at Comic-Con. Thank you very much for proving my argument once again, candidate number two. My, my point, point is that is San Diego Comic-Con was not hurt by D23. Yes. Right, because D23 is not a Marvel-only Comic-Con. Yes, if they have a Marvel-only the Comic-Con, point. they're not going to stop doing D23. If they have both those shows, the first thing that's going to go is San Diego Comic-Con. They're not going to go there anymore if they have their own shows to do. Yeah. There's only so much content to go around. Yeah. I mean, like... I, uh, I get I they don't make know. There's like 74 movies. episodes of Disney Plus and three movies. I get, well, okay, really? As someone who doesn't even watch the service anymore, that's ironic coming from you. I'm talking about <laughs> like, the there's not, there's not, there's only so many announcements to go around. So if you pull a show, D23 is not just about Marvel, it's about a lot of things, right? So if you, in three years, if Marvel's show turns out to be incredibly popular, which it probably would, and financially viable, it probably would, they'll make a killing. What then precludes them from pulling more and more of their effort and financial backing to Comic-Con towards their own? Business-wise, it makes perfect sense to do that. It, you want more in-house than out-of-house. So over time- That's Disney's whole business model. The, over time, everything they will slowly take back, just like what happened to E3, slowly peel back. And then all of a sudden, in a couple of years, you're going to look and go, ah, well, they, Comic-Con is an afterthought for Marvel. And that's a bummer. Right. And, and, that's, and that's what we're I trying to argue. And where, where your yes, point is I saying agree. that Comic-Con is huge. That was my right. point. That's my what point. saying is very possible. Right now, it's speculation. The fact is, they did Comic-Con. Well, all of this is. And D- <laughs> I mean, a Marvel convention <laughs> is speculation. It does not exist. They did. The only thing we have to go off of is what has literally existed and happened and can be statistically proven. And that's that they did Comic-Con and D23. That's <laughs> fine. Yes. And if that continues to happen, that will like the same results will happen. If they launch a brand new convention only about Marvel, those things change. 
Yeah. Star Wars has gone to Comic-Con the same year as Star Wars. You just said Star Wars doesn't matter as much as Marvel does. You said that. I understand. You're ruining (laughs) Comic-Con. Yeah, I'm the villain. That's my point. That was my point in the beginning. Don't ruin Comic-Con. All right. How about you guys? Let's throw it up to the audience. So you guys want to know and want to see a Marvel convention, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or hit BD up. You know where to find him or hit Charlie up. I'm sure you know where to find him too. All right. We're going to move right along. So uh, time is tight. So let's just jump to the WrestleMania thing. Um, We got a shout out real quick before time is out. No, we'll do it at the end. We'll do quarantine watch parties at the end. So WrestleMania real quick. Should WrestleMania be a two-night event? I think Connor Casey touched upon this. I think he was in favor of it, if I remember correctly. I, I honestly can't remember. I thought he was against it, if yeah. I remember I correctly. If he, wasn't, he wasn't a big fan. Uh, for me, and this is, and you can check out comicbook.com for, essentially all this comes from Triple H's comments when he was asked about it. He's actually a fan of the two-night thing. Uh, two nights for WrestleMania crushed money. in the ratings. It crushed. Uh, it did amazingly well for WWE, even amidst all <laughs> the crazy. On. <laughs> yeah, it was the only live hey, okay. remotely sport thing. True, you are absolutely television. correct. But it also had a benefit of being uh, from someone who has watched a lot of WrestleManias and a lot of WWE pay per views. Having six hours of your night <laughs> tied Hold up on, I, for the, the wrestling record, show. I'm, I'm making a joke. I'm with you if you're saying yes. that two nights is a good idea. I, I would love it. it. I, I would love it because I will say I enjoyed this spread a heck of a lot more than I enjoyed just sitting there. It feels like for 14 hours on a Sunday night, just between kickoff shows and promos and separate things. You also got to remember, this is a, a week-long event. As Triple H mentions, like takeovers typically on Saturday nights anyway. That's another four or five hours. Raw and SmackDown lead into WrestleMania. Raw is the next night. Like the Hall of Fame is typically on Thursday. There's a lot of stuff that week. So if you can alleviate just one night of sitting around and watching that much content. That's a lot of wrestling for anyone, even the devouts. So I would say I liked this spread out a lot better. Uh, You put a couple marquee acts on both nights and then give the other superstars time to shine. I like it. It, You would have to figure out what to do with NXT takeovers because those are typically on the Saturday nights. But overall for me, I'm in favor of it. So two, three to four hour nights is so much better than one, six or seven hour night. Yes. It makes a huge difference. With the theatrics of WWE that we saw on display this year, you could build up the drama. I mean, you need cliffhangers from night one into night two. Like yep. you, need, you need all that stuff. You need storylines that build up and start in night one and then explode in night two. You know, you got to. That's gotta, great for the, us. The, the one thing, the <laughs> one thing that I will kind of play devil's advocate for is the people that buy tickets to go. Do you sell yes. separate night tickets? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, do you get yeah. disappointed if you buy a ticket and then all the stuff see, happens on the other night? I have to take it back to Comic Con, but you've seen Comic Con and you know how that money works. Yeah, it's a good thing. You, you I mean, I, I understand it's a good thing. You're going to make money on tickets, but for the fan experience, what is what does that do? Because this was a special circumstance in where no one could attend. That will now, not be the case next year. Yeah. Now, locally for the for the local economy, which by the way, wherever they're based, gets a huge boost yeah. uh, in local economy for because they book out almost every night of that week with something uh, takeover typically sits in the same arena on Saturday nights. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like people wouldn't be used to going to a second show 
because they already are and they have a fan expo event that's running the whole weekend long that people are getting autographs and meeting people. So it's like a mini Comic-Con that weekend, that weekend. Um, so I don't think if as long as you advertise early which matches are on which night, which they did not do here because so many things were in flux. If you do that ahead of time where people know if I want to see The Fiend, I need to go on Sunday as opposed to Saturday. I think you get around that. I think people will adapt. People will be pissy at the beginning because they hate that. But ultimately, like, if you don't go two nights of WrestleMania, you use the other night to go do something else that WWE has going on. There's enough. Plus, local independent shows have their own giant year-long events on that weekend. So, yeah, you don't go see WWE, but maybe you go to another show. So, I mean, I think you can I get mean, around it's like it. It's going to Comic-Con, kind of. Yeah, it you, is. You, you could buy, like, a two-day pass or a one-day pass, essentially. Yeah. You can yeah. structure around that. The only issue is the, is the seating because it's anyway, it's a whole thing. But yeah, is, I, yeah. I, no, I understand Logistics your would have to be worked out. There will also be people not happy about it. Uh, they'd have to figure out what to do with TakeOver. Like there's a lot of stuff that has to happen for that. But I think it would be for the better. Uh, and surprise, I was surprised that Triple H was actually on board with that. I, I, that surprised me. I did not think he would be the one. But actually, that shouldn't surprise me because he's a little bit more progressive when it comes to WWE policies than Vince. So yeah, he would be the one, I guess. Was that it? Yeah. That's, that's all you got? That's all I got for WrestleMania, man. All right. I mean, yeah, I may, might as well make it a weekend. Let Tampa just soak up all of that. Ugh. Gronk's yeah. already there. Yeah. Just just make it a whole weekend. <laughs> no. <sighs> the inspection uh, Gronk. Don't get me started on Gronk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, Oh, do you want me to launch into the uh, quarantine thing real quick? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, well, we'll, uh, how about we'll do a two-parter. We'll let BDs promote tonight's and, uh, well, it'll be over by the time they hear it, but you can promote it and just say future ones, BD, you know, you can flex on this. Yeah. Uh, so by the <laughs> time you're hearing this, we had the most amazing night ever, uh, at quarantine watch party. James Gunn joined on Thursday night for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, I'm sure if you go to comicbook.com slash Marvel right now, you'll see a lot of the highlights, hopefully some Guardians 3 teases. He offered up a good bit about Volume 3 during our first Guardians watch party. Uh, and he also already said something very interesting on Twitter. Somebody asked him uh, in regards to the watch party, they asked, can Mantis, who debuts in Guardians 2, put the emotions and memories of what Gamora thought of the Guardians before she died into 2014 Gamora, who ran off in Endgame, and he said she, Mantis can give Gamora those feelings so she knows what to feel about the Guardians, but you can't give her the memories. So that's a fun fact. And on Sunday night, we have the writers of Avengers Infinity War joining us for Avengers Infinity War, and I'm not, I can't say anything else about the rest of that event. All you should know is that Infinity War has a sequel, and every Marvel fan knows to stay through the credits. So there's some big surprises that you don't want to miss. And also, Matt Aguilar here has lined up a really cool event for another show that's really good. So I'm going to let him explain that one to you. By the way, can I just commend Brandon's uh, tease? That was a very good tease. That's very, that was a <laughs> quality you. tease right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we are actually going to be doing a quarantine watch party for The Witcher. The Witcher. The Witcher. As, as you also pronounce. to your Witcher. Uh, yeah, that's right. What? I was going to grab. I don't have any nearby. Toss some one. quarantine to your Witcher. I really, it is an effort to get Kofi to sing more on the show. So I am so happy about this. Uh, yeah, we're going to actually be uh, teaming up with a couple people. We'll have the full list and details and everything by the time you hear this. Uh, but Lauren S. Hicksrick 
is going to be joining us, the showrunner from the show. Uh, we also have the director of the episode we are watching, which is episode six, Rare Species. Uh, wanted to do something other than the pilot because uh, Rare Species is one of the coolest episodes uh, in the season. Uh, hint, hint, there are dragons and it's awesome. So we're going to finally get her to break down all that. We also got the episode director. Uh, we have series writers, and we're hoping to get some of the cast and um, even more from the crew. So uh, make sure to check out comicbook.com. This is all taking place on Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Which, like this Friday? This Friday. Why have and you never told you- me there are dragons on this show? Because You man, didn't watch The Witcher? I've like watched two episodes. One and a half. Charlie, Charlie they, wasn't a giant fan. And you, you dope. By the time they hear this, it's tonight. Like right now. <laughs> Like go go to see the Witcher. I would have watched quicker watch and more if I knew there were dragons. Wait, so this starts at eight PM Eastern map? Uh seven PM Central Time. Yes, yeah, six PM Eastern. Eight PM Eastern. Eight PM Eastern. Eight PM Eastern. Okay, oh, my bad. Six PM Mountain Time. My time zones are all off. So yeah, I, seven I PM Central. Five PM Pacific. So props for you for knowing when this is happening. Yeah, I got it wrong when I, I keep getting. What is that in London? Like midnight? Five no, uh, don't ask eight, me. Uh, five hours. Ahead. Don't ask me that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Quarantine watch party. It's been going down. If you guys haven't, like we told you over and over again, if you guys aren't getting in on that, it's some of the most fun you can have in quarantine. It's free. It's well, it's mostly free. It's easy. Um, and it's a surprisingly fun experience to actually get your mystery science theater on with a bunch of other people while you're watching some of your favorite uh, film. So be sure to get up on that. Now, if you're doing that side of comic book, make sure you also want to get into comic book nation. We put up every new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about the show, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, Google playlists. You can find video of the show on our comicbook.com YouTube page. And if you want to get with us, oh, iHeartRadio, don't forget them. And if you want to ever talk to us about anything, pitch us topics, things to argue about, things you think we should know about, always hit us up at the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can reach me at Kofi Outlaw. You can reach me at Matt Aguilar, CB. Go ahead, BD. You can reach me at Brandon Davis, BD. Uh, and I'm at Charlie Ridgely. That'll do it for this show. If you guys are just now getting into us during the quarantine uh, period arc of our show, make sure you go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because when we get back to the studio eventually, we do read five-star reviews uh, from iTunes on the show periodically. And if we read your review, you get to send us a little heads up and we will send you a free Comic Book Nation t-shirt. So be sure to go on iTunes. Drop those five-star reviews. I've been watching since March into April, and a lot of you have been uh, helping us out there. So thank you for that and continue to do it. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening in, and uh, we will hope to see you out there on the quarantine watch party hashtag so we can uh, chop it up as we watch some good films. So talk to you guys later. See you next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. Deuces.